If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Tara Bradner, and this is Hopeful Hints, an infertility podcast where you will receive quick, hopeful hints to guide you through infertility. Here, you will find education, inspiration, and most importantly, find peace as you walk through this journey to fulfill your family vision. Welcome to Hopeful Hints, the podcast where you can find short weekly tips for getting you through infertility. We are so excited to have a guest this week, Emily Ginn. Welcome to our show. She is a fertility coach. Can you tell us what brought you to the infertility community? Oh, well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Um, yes, so we have a very, very long history in infertility, funsies. Uh, we started our infertility journey. You know, when you, it's so funny when you look back retrospectively, you always say, I started my infertility journey. You have no dang clue that that's what you're on until you're on it. Um, but we started in the spring slash summer of 2012. So we're now nine years in. Um, it was, it had to be the first two years, the worst moments of my life, like the darkest moments, um, the least, the, like the most hopeless. Um, it was just, it was a horrible time. And so throughout the, the course of our journey, uh, we identified that we're both male and female factor infertility because we are just, you know, we're a go big or go home couple and we never go home. So we don't do anything halfway. Um, and then our first son, we conceived our only spontaneous conception. Um, we conceived him in uh, winter of 2013. He was born in August, 2014. When we started family planning again, we knew we were probably gonna have to do some stuff. So we had four failed IUIs. And then we went into our first IVF cycle and our second son was born in 2017. We did a transfer in just last September, so September of 2020. And um, just because 2020 was 2020, that transfer failed. Um, and so now we're actually in our very last, like <laughs> the hubs and I were like, no, this is literally the fire sale of IVF cycles. We're done. Um, so we're gearing up for our next transfer. It's actively gearing up for that, is that correct? Yeah, so uh, to in one week from today will be the transfer. Oh, Emily. Yeah. You guys, she gets this. Like, this is somebody who has been there. And, you know, you just, like, you just shared the top level of your journey. Right, so, and right. You, and if you're listening, you are in the middle of infertility, more than likely. And so mm-hmm. I feel like when I listen to people's stories, like, I'm like, oh, I just, like, can feel the emotions and mm-hmm like the ups and downs with you and so knowing oh, yeah. that you're still in the middle of it 
is like, I feel like my own emotions stemming from when I went through it too, but I'm not, oh, like, yeah. I feel emotion. That's like my thing. Oh, no, there, there is like a, there is a camaraderie, a sisterhood, uh, an alliance that is formed between us, you know, and you know, infertility is just such a big umbrella statement. It really does not encompass the individuality of each person's journey. Right. So, um, I know a little bit about your journey from what you've shared on social media. Um, but you know, my journey included four surgeries. I had one ovary removed, right? Like it doesn't encompass the, the kind of the unspoken parts of our journey, which is like the nights that we're, um, crying in the fetal position in our closets and just like wishing that something, anything would change to ease the pain. So I I do think that there is this like, um, guttural soul level, um, alliance that's formed between us. Absolutely. And we're going to share more at the end about what exactly Emily does, but I think we'll get a better picture as we move into (laughs) our three hopeful hints and this will all make sense. So let's dive in, Emily, hopeful hint number one. Hopeful hint number one is notice how you talk to yourself. So good. Right? So here's the thing. I tell my people, infertility is by and large a very temporary moment in your life, right? It doesn't feel that way, certainly, but it is pretty time specific. There's going to be a point where you either don't want to pursue this anymore or you have the family. Like it, it, it's very time specific. How you talk to yourself will go with you on any journey. So if you are mean to yourself, like if you have that internal voice that's shrill and rude and you know swearing at you, all of these terrible things that I think most of us have, you're going to carry that with you through every phase of your life. It's not specific to infertility. All that happens in infertility is like a giant spotlight has been shown on how you talk to yourself which is why you're so miserable during this time. And so um, one of my favorite things that actually ties into helpful hint number two is when you, to notice how you're talking to yourself, journaling, which is helpful hint number two, is my favorite thing. So it can be free form, which is literally you just sit down with a pen and paper and you just write whatever thoughts come to you. And I always, classify thoughts as a sentence in your brain, right? It can be as um, hard to write as I hate myself, I hate my life, or as non sequitur as like, I think I left the curling iron on this morning, right? It doesn't matter. It's just getting the thoughts out of your head. So by rough estimates, we have 50 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Uh Uh-huh, it's a lot, it's a lot. That's a lot. And, but we're only aware of about 10%, five to 10%, okay? It's still a lot of thoughts, but of the ones that we're aware of, 85% of our thoughts are negative in nature, right? There is, uh, I call it, it's called the negativity bias. It's just how our brain has evolved to keep us safe. So that's why our thoughts feel so heavy, so important, so negative, so urgent, is because it's part of our evolution. So if you can get your thoughts out of your brain, you're actually gonna create more space from your thoughts and it just opens up more uh, 
space is just my favorite word. It just opens up more space in your brain, in your heart. Um, and from everything that feels so important, it offers you that perspective. So there's free form journaling. You can go on Pinterest and just put in journal prompts. You'll get tons of journal prompts. They just get you thinking. Uh, writing down three daily gratitudes, which is something Oprah talks about. It doesn't matter. Just put pen to paper for writing. Huge. I love doing that personally. It's three. It can be, and would you agree? It can be like, thank you for clean air. Thank you for clean water. Yes. Thank you for my health. Done. Like it can be, if you are stuck or can't think of something like that is what you're thankful for safety. Like it can be so basic if you're stuck until you kind of get into it more. So one of my daily gratitudes today was I was grateful for my inhaler because I have, I have kind of moderately controlled asthma. So I, I've just gotten off of a really bad exacerbation or a bad asthma flare. And so today I was just thinking like, what am I grateful for? And I'm thankful for my Dulera inhaler that keeps me healthy. Yes, absolutely. It does not have to be like so specific or paragraphs or sentences. Right. Like Dulera inhaler, done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it keeps me alive. (laughs) Done and done. Yep. I think we overthink Uh, or make it like sometimes make this bigger than it needs to be when really it's, it's something minimal and powerful. Yeah, I think I, and I think that's just the nature of our brain. It it just tries to make things more complicated. So you're right. So much of, of what I teach and what I coach on are just like hashtag basic stuff. Like it's just, it doesn't have to be as hard as we think it's going to be. Absolutely. A lot of my clients come to me and they're like, I don't know if I can do the work. But that, that means that they've already decided the work is too much for them without even knowing what that work, right? The work in quotations is like this ambiguous thing that's too much. For them. So we just take it like down to a cellular level. It's okay. For today, I want you to set a timer on your phone, two minutes. Don't write anything after that and just download your brain for two minutes. I love that. I was going to go back to your hopeful hit number one. I haven't oh, yeah. shared too, too much. But I'm starting to because mm-hmm. of this exact reason. So COVID took my job, my full-time job two months ago. I utilized so many tools that I learned when I went through infertility for that life event. Like, like yep. you said, the reality is our reproductive system only occurs for so long in our life. You're going to hit menopause, like you said, right. but what you learn in this awful hard time will in fact help you when life throws other hard things at you. And that is what I realized in the last two months myself was how it, like how I not only took those tools, but I felt like I transitioned my mind through the situation faster than I would have five years ago, let's just say when, Mm -hmm. before I went through infertility. So this is, there's so much truth and hopeful hit number one that you will, what you learn now and how you utilize it will help you in the future. Yeah. And I think it also speaks to like, we're not too old, right? Because so much of the fertility community talks about age and we're never too old to learn how to talk to ourselves in a way that serves us. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm big in talk. Yeah. I love that you said, you're like, I'm big into feelings and I'm one of my primary roles is to help people understand their feelings 
So I, I coach and teach from a very uh, cognitive behavioral way. So I believe that our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings drive our actions. Absolutely. So one of the primary ways to know if a thought is serving you is by how it makes you feel, right? So a thought that both you and I could have simultaneously, right, is I could do X, Y, Z better, right? For you, that might be an incredibly motivating thought, right? That, that thought might be generating something like emotion or, or I'm sorry, um, excitement or motivation or something like that. For me, that thought could be incredibly hopeless or um, disparaging towards myself, just depending on the context with which I talk to myself. And so understanding that is, I mean, that's the game changer. If we can, that's part of what I call generational healing. If we can break how we talk to ourselves, we're going to change how we talk to other people, our partners, our children, our family members. Um, But it's, it's all starts. um, The call is coming from inside the house, guys. We got to fix it there. Absolutely. Emily, this is so good. Hopeful hit number three. So this is this one is just right up your alley there, Tara. Allow your feelings. Yes. Feel the damn things. So here's, uh, I'm going to give a little bit of a uh, breakdown into how I describe feelings. Feelings are a vibration in your body. They are not dangerous. They feel dangerous. They feel sometimes terrible. They feel scary. They are not. They cannot hurt you. We have never been taught about our feelings. We've never been taught about our thoughts. And so the idea of, um, I I talk about comfortable versus uncomfortable. A lot of times we try to villainize our feelings like, oh, this is a bad feeling. This is a good feeling. Feelings are not good or bad. There's no morality to feelings. They're just comfortable, right? Joy might be comfortable. Excitement might be comfortable. Calm might be comfortable. And things like anxiety or grief or loss feel uncomfortable. We know there's no morality because for some people, um, comfortable feelings like joy might feel very uncomfortable to someone else. So there's no objective measure for what is a good feeling and a bad feeling. Absolutely. Do you believe it even like triggers your fight or flight? So therefore, oh, absolutely. Follows, like... Fight or f- so it's almost like an actual mechanism of your body, if we could break it down, I don't know, to something like that. A mechanism of your body is being activated. Learning what to do when that system is activated yeah. is key to moving forward. Yeah. So a couple of things. So neurobiologically speaking, um, let's take anxiety because we all know adrenaline, cortisol or what we most of us know that adrenaline, cortisol are the two hormones that are released when we experience anxiety. The hormone dump associated with that only lasts for about 90 seconds. So if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, this is anxiety. I can feel it. Like I can feel the tightening in my chest or my throat. Um, That's usually how people describe it. Or I can feel my heart thumping out of my chest. If you sit with it, the chemicals, the the unconscious and uh, uh, the unconscious process only lasts for about a minute and a half. 90 seconds, sit with it. 90 seconds, 90 seconds. 90 seconds. Allow yourself to sit with it. Everything that happens after 90 seconds is a choice. 
the three steps that I always give my, my people to allow for your feelings, right? I think most people think of just like naming their feelings as a part of allowing for them, which is, which is absolutely true. That is the first. So the first step, um, I call it now in OW name or no, name and notice your emotion. It's the first as best you can. You don't have to get like super descriptive, but as best you can then open up to it. Take a few deep breaths, sit down, physically open your, your chest, your arms, push them back, but uh, don't resist the emotion when it comes, right? Emotions are very patient. They will wait for you. And that's why they feel so overpowering at times. So you open up to that emotion. And then the last step, the W is witness it. So you want to wit witnessing it is like imagining that an alien comes to earth and says, what does anxiety feel like in your body? Tell me what that's like. So I'll, I, I wake up most days with anxiety, so I can use a pretty good description, pretty familiar with it. For me, anxiety feels like something holding in my chest, like a big, heavy rock that's, that's like vibrating. It's like a constant vibration. And it's a bright red and sometimes it's angry, but it's that shape. And then as I'm witnessing it, because you're, you're taking yourself out of the emotion, you're creating space from the emotion because you're witnessing it. You're actually letting it pass through you considerably faster. Instead of just reminding yourself, I'm experiencing anxiety. This is how anxiety feels in my body. Go deeper and describe what that is. That is so good, Emily. Yes. And this takes time, I would assume. It's going to take a couple episodes of experiencing this to really, just like Absolutely. any skill. It's a skill you're going to learn now as we're walking through infertility and carry it with you moving forward in life. Absolutely. I still use it every day. I teach it to my kids. There's no situation where you where using now won't help you. Absolutely. Emily, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us where people can find you and how they can work with you and what you offer. Yeah, so thank you for having me on. This was wonderful. I am uh, an IVF and mindset coach. I don't know if that was clear at all from what we were talking about. It's everything that I talk about. Um, so I host a podcast called IVF This which really every single week I break down a coaching concept. I am on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok at IVF This Coaching. And then my website is www.ivfthiscoaching.com. I do one-on-one -on -one sessions for 13 weeks and it's really designed to kind of remap how you think about infertility, um, how you think about experience and talk about infertility as a whole but really designed to repair the relationship that you have with yourself. It is so true. And I will link everything in today's show notes so you guys can check out that section. Thank you again, Emily. This was wonderful. I think we can all carry this forward as we move through infertility and beyond. Thank you so much, Tara. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out 
called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.